All right, I'm going to get you to grab a seat if you're in the room with us today, and everybody's coming back online as well. And uh, what a great, great morning that we are having so far. Amen? Uh, I mean, God is doing some amazing things in the life of this church, and it is, these are our best days. They're right in front of us, and we're excited to get going. I don't know if you knew this about yourself, but you are gifted a specific way. In fact, the Bible tells us that you have a spiritual gift. Did you know this about yourself? And whether or not you have a relationship with God or not, that you could push that to the side. You do have a gift, and the Bible tells us a little bit about it. And I remember taking this thing called a spiritual gifts test or an inventory or an assessment a really long time ago. And through my years of maturity in Christ, I've gone back to this assessment just to see if I've grown in certain things and, and whatnot. But I remember that one of the very first times that I actually took one of these assessments, and I got to tell you, I was absolutely stunned at the results that I had seen. I could not believe that this one gift was so low in all of the list of gifts that were happening. I mean, after all, I mean, I was a pastor. The pastor should probably have something like this in his or her life. And at the very bottom of my list was this word called mercy. <laughs> and mercy is an interchangeable word with this thing called compassion. And I'm like, how, how can I even pastor people if I don't have mercy at the top of my list? I mean, I've got other gifts up there, but I really wanted this mercy somehow to get up there. But it just wasn't happening. And God's like, put the brakes on, Chapman. It's not like you don't have mercy. It's, that it's probably just not one of your strongest of gifts. I mean, mercy is there. Now, perhaps your mercy may not be as strong as it needs to be when it comes to cats or things like this. But you know where your mercy begins to kick into play, Sean Chapman, is when somebody loses a loved one. And you step in and you're there. I mean, we can go through the list of things, whether it would be sicknesses or injustices that happen. Well, my mercy begins to rise like a good old thermostat. I'll tell you that much. But you know where compassion and mercy, the same word, you know where it really gets me is my kids. Oh, man, I've got compassion and mercy for my kids. I remember a couple weeks ago when I got to the accident scene to see Jake, and I walked right up to him, and I put my arms around him. And the crazy part about Jake and I now is, like, I'm putting my head on his chest, which is really awkward as I try to hug my son. But I walked right up to him. You know what I didn't do? I didn't say, you're such a failure, and you missed the mark. How could you do something like this? I put my arms around him, and I just said, I love you, and you're okay, and you're here. And he cried in my arms, or I cried in his. <laughs> and you know where it gets me even worse is my daughter. Oh, man, do not mess with my daughter. And I think sometimes I even treat my children differently. Like my son's like, man up, man. Like, you know, just do it. But when it comes to Anaya, if you look at her the wrong way, I'm looking at you the wrong way. I mean, if you say anything to her, I'm going to probably kind of get my back, you know, I like because compassion when it comes to our kids matters. Now, for those of you that don't have kids, that's, don't worry about this, but I'm just telling you that where compassion and mercy comes to play for me is especially with my children. There's nothing that I wouldn't do, especially for my daughter. Rumor has it that she's got me wrapped around her pinky finger. That's true. It's not a rumor. Like, this is who she is, but I would do anything, especially for my children. And so today, I'd actually like to take a look at a little bit of a parental child um, look when it comes to God. And so our 
our series that we're walking through is the character of God. And last week we learned his name, and his name is Yahweh. And Yahweh has something more to say about who he is for you and I today, so let's take a look at what he has to say. Out of Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, it says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations, and I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. And I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Will you pray with me as we've read the word of the Lord again? Father, teach us in these moments is what I pray about who you are and what you want from me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. The subject that would like to speak to us today is compassionate and gracious. You see, last week we started into our brand new series and we looked at God's name, Yahweh, or Y-H-W-H. It meant the existing one. It meant that I am who I am. In fact, he stands as, as he reveals who his name is, he answers the question that Moses asked him, Mashama, who or what is your name? Moses wanted an identification for God to send him to release the Israelites from the Egyptians, but he wanted to know a little bit about more who was going to be sending him. And I caught this this week, you know, because often when we look at the Old Testament, we see the word God, Yahweh. And then a lot of people over here were kind of making some comments about, well, then where does Jesus kind of fit into this picture? Like, what's, what's the deal here? And so it's interesting to, to see this because in our theology, we have a triune Godhead. What this means is that we believe as God as Father, God as Son, and God as Holy Spirit. See, when God reveals himself as Yahweh to Moses in the Exodus account that we read, you know what God is saying? It's me, it's my son Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit. We are Yahweh together. And it's interesting because in our um, collective uh, church Bible reading this week, we've been working our way through the book of John. And in John chapter 8, there was a very important verse that Jesus begins to communicate to the people that are around him. And you'll see this in John chapter eight on the screens in front of you today. But Jesus made this incredible statement and he says, I tell you the truth, that before Abraham was, what does it say? I am. See, Jesus is also in the New Testament recognizing to the people. He's making his statement in front of the Pharisees that that Yahweh that was revealed to Moses, I'm that guy. In fact, he tells the people over here, this is who I am. And we know the definition of Yahweh means the existing one, which means Jesus is basically saying, before your boy Abraham showed up, I was there at the beginning of creation. And guess what? I'm going to be there at the end of time when it's all wrapped up because I am as well. We need to understand when we talk about Yahweh, we're talking about God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. They are a package together. This is who they are. This is what we believe. But did you see what was at the top of the list when God reveals after his name? Do you see what was at the top of the list for him to talk to Moses about? It was, it was the words, 
compassionate and gracious. You know, I sometimes think, not sometimes, I actually think God was very intentional by starting with that. Like why in the world would God, in his list of stuff, begin there? Because there's something I think for us to pay attention to when it comes to God's character when it comes to his compassion, when it comes to his graciousness. I think God intentionally starts us there today so that we will pay attention to the other things that will flow from it. And so I do have one question for you to walk away from today and that you will process this week, and and this is the question. If this is who God is, statement, how do you model this yourself? If God is compassionate and gracious, how are you compassionate and gracious? The phrase that we see compassionate and gracious is in the Hebrew called Rahum we Hanun. You want to say it together? Rahum we Hanun. And from the Bible Project, one more time, they give some beautiful insight to these words. And so what I would like to do is I would like to take compassionate and gracious, it's a statement, I'd like to rip them apart, take a quick look at those, and then I would like to bring them back together because I think they belong with one another. Fair enough? So the word compassionate is the word rahum. This word compassionate is usually translated merciful. But catch this, this comes from a root word meaning female womb. What is being communicated as God is revealing his character to Moses? He is saying that the intent is the feeling of a mother toward her infant child. This is what compassion is all about. I mean, if I could, I mean, she'll be here at the 11, but I'd like to introduce you to my wife, Lisa. She's a great wife. She's beautiful. I love her. She loves God. She takes care of our children. She's good at what she does. And then I would like to introduce you to my other wife. And my other wife comes into play when you decide to take this Lisa and you do something against her children. You say something, you look something, you do something weird, and guess what? All of a sudden, you are introduced no longer to Lisa Chapman, but you are introduced to Mama Bear. And uh, you moms in the room, you know full well what I am talking about. And this is that idea behind compassion. Not that God's gonna get mama bear on us, but this idea of a parent towards his child. Compassion really is a very powerful way to describe this strong emotional bond between a parent and a child. This is why God is revealing his character as compassionate, because he's the parent, and guess what you are? You're the child. And so he has this really strong liking towards you. And the Bible is full of these insights when it comes to this word compassion. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, there's a story by, and it is found by King Solomon. And the story shows that there are these two prostitutes that come to King Solomon. They have both just had babies, and they're living in the same home. What happens with these prostitutes is one of the babies dies through the night, early in the age. And one of the other women decided to exchange, while the other mom was sleeping, exchange the babies. Takes the dead baby, places it in front of her, and takes the living one to herself. Can you imagine the chaos of what would happen with a story like this? 
they go before King Solomon. And basically what happens is he wants to know what's going on. And they bicker and back, back and forth. And all of a sudden, King Solomon makes this one decision. He's like, bring me my sword. And probably people are a little bit confused. What's going on? What's going on? He's like, I'm going to cut the baby in half. And we'll give you each half. How many of you think that the Bible is boring? <laughs> like, this is there. And so all of a sudden, Solomon's like, I'm going to cut the baby in half. And all of a sudden, the one mother who's the baby's is says, no, 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 no. Give it to the other person so that the child may live. And the word that happens there in verse 26 of that chapter is the word rahum. She is filled with compassion, Rahum, and she decides to make a decision. Solomon looks at the story and is like, that's the real mom. Give her the baby. Get rid of the other person. And the story goes. We see that in uh, this idea of compassion, especially in, in Isaiah, actually, chapter 49, verse 15. This is what God is saying over the nation of Israel. He says, never can a mother forget her nursing child, this is God talking about himself to, to Israel. Well, why is God talking about all the feminist, feminine, feminine parts of you know, what has happened? But he's, he's saying right here, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel the love or can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would, I would never forget you. I mean, God is taking this, this motherly approach to um, her children and he's doing it with you and I. He's saying that you are that important to me. Throughout the New Testament, we see these verses when it comes to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, 36, and John eleven thirty five, 35, and Luke 6, 36, all these have to do with this word compassion. The idea is that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them, and he moved towards them. It says that Jesus felt the pain of the people, and he had compassion on them. The Luke chap, the Luke uh, verse is him talking, Jesus talking to you and I and saying, listen, you need to be compassionate, just like my father is compassionate. And all of this language is this idea of a loving parent, which I do understand is not all of our story. Because some of us struggle when it comes to our earthly parents. Maybe you didn't have good earthly parents. Maybe you had no earthly parents because they passed away at an early age. Maybe the hostilities that happened at home. Your visual imagery around a parent is not good whatsoever. So what do I do with this? If this is, you know, what God is trying to say and communicate as to who he is, and, but I can't relate to that. There's this disconnect. You know, what do I do with something like that? I want to say that although that earthly disconnect may be there, I know that, like, for me, when it comes to my moments of mercy and compassion, I'm truly sorry. If you've ever had to walk through something like that, I don't understand that. I don't know why it happened. But I need you to see that when this is happening on an earthly level, there is a spiritual level that you have to pay attention to. You see, there is a father who is communicating to Moses who he is. There is a spiritual father who is communicating to you today that although that may be true in your life, 
that he has a lot of compassion and mercy towards you. You see, this is how God feels towards you as a child, that he will bring his compassion and mercy to you. John Mark Comer, again, an author who has done a lot of study on this as well, makes this comment, and he says, we see that rahum, the word compassion, is a feeling word. And then he goes to say that whereas hanun, which is the gracious, is an action word. And so what I would like for you to contemplate when it comes to compassion and mercy is that it's a feeling word. It's, it's coming from the, the, the gut context of is a parent to his child in a positive way. But then you get to this word gracious. And then we're going to see what takes place here. The word hanun is linked to the noun hen. Everybody say hen. Hen. <laughs> you don't get to say the K really in Hebrew. It's kind of interesting, but hen. And this word right here means delightful or favorable. Some definitions would call it grace, favor and grace. But the funny thing with favor and grace is that in our English vocabulary, we separate these two words, don't we? I mean, we look at them as two different things. But in the Hebrew and where we're at with the word hen is we bring them together because hen captures it both. Sarah Fisher, who is a library technician out of the University of PEI with a long list of letters for her educations underneath her, she says this about this idea of grace and favor. She says grace is a gift. And to be favored means that you are gifted. You see, when you are given grace, it is given to you and I as a gift. When God says that he is gracious, what is he saying? I want to give you a gift. I want to give you a gift. And once you receive that gift, it then means that you are now favored. To receive that means that you are going to understand and know the favor of God. Now put that into a practical play of your own life. Have you ever been given a gift from somebody before, which is grace? And how did it make you feel? And it meant that you mattered. It meant that the favor had just fallen upon you, and it was a good moment for your life. We see here very quickly, according to John Mark Comer then, that this idea of giving grace to somebody else, it's something that you do. It's action. You put action to the things that you are going to do. It has the idea of help, and it is in spite of what someone deserves. Because many of us are asking the question, well, then what's the difference between this mercy thing, compassion that you just talked about, and what's, what's grace? I mean, are they the same thing? But actually, they're, they are uniquely different. And the best way to just to describe this to you today would be this, is that grace is getting what you do not deserve. But mercy, on the other hand, is not getting what you may deserve. Let that sink in just for a moment, because it's just something that we do have to process and wrestle with, but you'll see what it means. Again, when we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, this idea of, of Hanun and Hen, they run everywhere throughout the scriptures. 
In fact, Moses, many times in the texts of Exodus, he talks about, God, I need your favor. I need your favor. And what is Moses talking about? He's talking about the hen. He's saying, I want your favor to visit my life. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 to 9, it says that when you put wisdom into your life, it's like a garland of, of um of grace that is wrapped around your head. I mean, it is the hen again. We see that in Luke chapter one. If we were to transition over to the New Testament, an angel approaches Mary, and what, is the, what does the angel say to, to Mary? He says, do not be afraid, O favored one. But the word hen, obviously Hebrew, is translated over here in the, in the Greek out of the New Testament as charis. And it is the same idea for this grace. Now, we see this word charis. And this idea, again, of you are being given something. You are being gifted. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I love this verse, but it says, It is by grace. You have been saved by grace when you believed. You, God has saved you by his charis. And you can't take credit for this because what does it say? It's a, it's a gift. I mean, God gives these gifts to his children. In John chapter 1, probably one of the most um, profound uh, chapters when it comes to describing Jesus being the word and the beginning was the word, but there is this specific verse in John chapter 1 verse 16 that says, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Like this is the person of Jesus, that Jesus is now being described as one who could give you a gift, but what is critical for you and I to understand that that right there for many of us is that grace is a concept. It's something to be giving, but what John John does in John chapter 1 is he then takes that grace is no longer just this concept, although it is, it, it is found in a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. That grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And guess what Jesus did for you? He died so that you and I would have life, and that you and I would have life to the full. He gave us the gift, and he looked at us, and he said, I'm going to favor that people when they respond to who I am. And you know what the beautiful thing about grace is? Is you cannot earn it. You cannot study for it. You cannot work towards it. It basically says that, will you, will you receive it? This is who God is in his grace. It's an offering to you and I. I mean, just for fun, too, did you know what the last verse in the whole entire Bible reads? Revelation 22, 21. It says, the charis, the grace of Yahweh be with you all. Find it fascinating, don't you? Like when he says that I'm Yahweh, I'm the existing one. I've been at the very beginning and the very last verse of the book. He is basically talking about the bookends of creation. And he is now saying that all in your lives is going to be about this grace that I have for you. It's beautiful. So truth be told today, you and I both need grace and mercy, yes? Anybody thankful for the grace and the mercy that God gives to us? In Psalm chapter 86, verses 15 to 17, I want us to see this piece. But maybe you'll catch the words here and you'll maybe see the similarities. It says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, 
slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Who is King David quoting right now? Sound familiar to you? Exodus 34, the text which is the character of God. King David himself is beginning to talk, but listen to this. King David says, look down on me and have mercy. Give your strength to your servant. And then this is what King David says. He says, save me, save me, the son of your servant, and send me a sign of your favor, Hen again, then those who hate me will be put to shame for you, O Lord. Help and you comfort me. I love what King David does. He goes back to the character of God. He calls upon the character of God to come over here and to save him, which is important for us to see because these verses indicate to you and I today that God is all about rescue missions. He is all about action. He is all about offering his grace into our situations and our circumstances. He wants to move in action towards you and I. And one of those action missions that we see in the Bible comes from the book of Jonah, a fantastic story of a guy who's supposed to go to Nineveh to reveal a message that God is going to come and visit you. And he decides to run the other way. God gets him over here the other way, and he brings him back, and he goes to Nineveh this time. And basically what happens is he goes to the king, and he says, you need to repent. And the whole entire city actually listens to what Jonah has to say, and they repent. And then the story picks up with, with our character Jonah in chapter four, and you'd think, right? You'd think as a pastor or a preacher, and you go and you preach repentance, and the whole entire city comes, you think you'd be a little excited. But Jonah, that is not his story. In chapter four, I want us to see what he does, because this is what Jonah says in chapter four, after everybody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and he says this to God, I knew, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. Who is good old Jonah now quoting again? Moses and God's conversation. He goes back and he uses God's own character against God. But I, I, I love this. You got to see these last verses because he says, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. No duh, Jonah. He is so upset that God's character actually showed up the way God told him it would. And he uses Moses' conversation with God to get angry at God. The audacity. Just zap him, God. Get him out of here. It's not how God goes, though. He still reveals his compassion and his mercy to Jonah. So let me ask the question. Do you love that God is compassionate and gracious with you? Anybody? But what about when your enemies or your unfriendly people around you get into your path? Are you still compassionate and gracious? Are you still excited that God can do that? I mean, how do you process God's mercy and his grace to people who hurt you, who stomp on you, who gossip behind your back, who lie about you to the boss, 
those who have betrayed you, those who have divorced you, those who have abandoned us, or those who may call herself Bonnie Henry. Are you thankful for God's compassion and grace? I mean, this is the beauty of God. He's for all people. He makes no distinction. It just says that his character is compassion as a parent to his children. Guess what we all are? And his graciousness is going to be a gift to those who, you know what, may not deserve it. But nonetheless, he will. The thing that he wants you and I to know today is, will you display the same thing that he is? Will you become like him? After all, it was his grace and his mercy that did it for us. And I don't know about you, but I didn't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyway. God was um, speaking to me this week with some things in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I really love these days and I really hate these days for the things that God does in me. He was trying to speak to me and I was ignoring him. In fact, one of my devotional studies this week landed me in this story. As I went to preparation for today's um, message, I read a book that had this account in it as well. Pastor Tyson so eloquently placed the, th the name of God for that day and it kind of came into, into my cue and the, the, the word was, was mercy. God was about to give me a lesson in mercy. <laughs> and it came from this story called The Prodigal Son. And um, The Prodigal Son is a story about um, a dad and his two sons. One of those sons is a greedy, party animal type individual. The second son is a self-righteous snob. <laughs> and I'm watching this story unfold, and it goes where the, the party animal kind of a son, he comes to his father, and he's like, Dad, you're not dead yet, but I'd like my inheritance. I'm out of here. I'm going to go. And he, Dad actually, in his compassion and mercy, gives the money to the son, and the son pieces out to another land, and it says that he kind of gets into a whole lot of trouble, and he does his own, he does his own thing. And it's over there where he's experiencing all of the loss and his, he's kind of hit the bottom of the barrel and he comes to his senses. He's like, I, I actually really need to go, I need to go home. I need to go see my dad because this is not good. I made a mistake, it's wrong and I, I just, I need to go back to where he is. So he comes to his senses And I want us to see this today. So he makes a decision to return home to his father. And it says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And it says that the father was filled with this thing called compassion, which is interchangeable with the word mercy. The father sees him from a distance. And it says that that father begins to run. He begins to run full tilt to this son. And with compassion 
it says that he begins to throw the hen. He begins to throw the caris upon this kid's life. He throws him, uh, he gets the, the fattened calf ready. He throws clothes around him. He brings the jewelry. He takes care of him. I find it funny that the dad actually throws the kid a party because the kid's a party animal. Maybe that might not be good, God. But anyway, uh, you got this idea where he comes and he just completely with compassion, he throws himself at his son. And the other, older son now comes in and he's like, he's, what's going on here? I mean, what is happening? That... And he becomes self-righteous in that moment. How dare you, dad? I mean, I've been here the whole entire time and you've done absolutely not a whole lot for me like what you've just done for this kid. I mean, that kid over there, he deserved jack squat. And the father tries to reassure him. This is where I landed in this story. I actually don't think that this story, and I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible, I actually don't think that this story should be called the prodigal son. I think this story should be called the compassionate and gracious father because I think that's the point. I think what God is trying to communicate to us in his character is that this is the type of deity we worship this is who God deals with all types of people because you may be like the party kid you may be like the self-righteous snob and the father still shows his compassion mercy his grace to both both thought that they deserved something but then there's God and in all of it, God is saying to me, Sean, who are you to withhold the mercy you need to give? Go and do it. And I had to have a pretty um, significant conversation, we'll say, this week. Because if this is who God is, and this is who he wants me to be, even when it comes to my unfriendlies or my enemies or those that I am not in agreement with, will I still show compassion, mercy, and grace? See, the character of God today reveals that you have the ability to know Rahum Hanun, compassionate and gracious in Yahweh. That grace concludes us here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, so let us come, what does it say? Boldly to the throne of grace. That you could come boldly to our gracious God, and it is there where you will receive his mercy, Rahun, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This has everything to do today, folks. Not with your performance, but it has everything to do with your position. You are children of God, position. He looks at you as a parent would. And in mercy and grace, he gives you both. We can't earn this thing 
You can't work it. It has everything to do with your position as a child of God. So this week, I want you to walk in to it with confidence that you have a heavenly father who looks at you as his kid. And no matter how badly you mess up, guess what he's going to do? Rachun Hanun. He's going to be compassionate to you. He's going to be gracious to you. Aren't you excited that we've got a father and a parent like that? Because I sure am. Will you stand with me today? And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the revelation of your character. Thank you that you're a God who's compassionate, merciful to me. That mercy is not getting what I so richly deserve. I deserve separation, death, but that's not what you give me because it's there where your grace steps in and you offer me a gift. And that gift is your son, Jesus. And Jesus, I'm so thankful today for you. I'm thankful for what you have done for me and that you have given me a gift of salvation. You've given me a chance of second start. And not only that, you have placed your favor upon me because of it. And I ask that today in my life and in our lives as Callwood Church family, that we would extend compassion and grace to people around us. This is traits of our Father, so help us to do it. Will it be difficult? Yep. But I pray, Spirit, that you will point out those moments. You will allow us to step into obedience to follow that through. So I ask that you will help us this week to know that our God is compassionate and gracious. And because he is, that I am to model that as well. So how, with who, can I do these things as well? We'll give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe perhaps today you've never understood the compassion and the grace of our God and really the greatest gift he ever gave to us was the person of Jesus who died for our sins. And he wants that relationship with you. And so if you are interested in having this relationship with Jesus, one of the things that I would encourage you with is text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. We'd love to be able to tell you a little bit more about what that can look like for you. But he has given this gift to you free of charge. Yeah, he wants your life, but it's free to you. And it's a decision. Remember I said earlier that grace is a gift. Will you receive the gift? And when that happens, the favor of God is a very beautiful thing to behold in our lives. As you head into your week this Wednesday, if you want to talk more about this, join us at Continue the Conversation, which is our Zoom Connect group, which is online. Sign up for Coldest Night of the Year. And again, church, have a fantastic week. Hanun Rahum, compassion and gracious. Have a great week, and we'll see you next one.